So, when was your last checkup? Oh no, not you. Although that's important too, but when was your last vehicle checkup? When it comes to service, nobody knows your Chevy better than your local Chevy dealer. Go to ChevyDriveChicago.com to schedule an appointment today. I knew pretty early, growing up around it, being around my father and my uncles, it was really all that I ever wanted to do. Blackhawks Live. My parents gave me a tape recorder. I was around five or six. Kenny Alfred, the radio play-by-play voice of the New York Rangers. Set up my bedroom like a radio or TV studio, and I started announcing games. Loose puck, far side. Work back out to the right side for Jones, a shot, score! The Blackhawks tie it with 62 seconds remaining. It was never anything that I was forced to do or told that I had to do. I just love doing it. Now, now, now. it's time to talk hockey. Let go Blackhawks! It's time to talk Hawks. Here's Joe Brand. Thrilled to have this week's guest, Kenny Albert, joining us after the 7.30 news. Thrilled to share with you some solid news about Connor Bedard. Hopefully... Returning just right around the corner. And a pretty solid performance by the Blackhawks, too. Tying things up against the New York Rangers. Didn't have enough to win it in overtime. But good to see this team finally get rewarded for just sticking to their game plan and pick up more than just one goal. Again, they did fall short. But a lot of resilience in this team while they're still without their star player, number 98, Connor Bedard. But again, might we be seeing him sooner rather than later. I'm Joe Brand. This is Blackhawks Live. Our producer is Jack Heinrich, and we do this every week. Typically on Mondays, every once in a while, things get moved around. Like next week, Hawks are going to be playing in Carolina on Monday the 19th, so Blackhawks Live will be on Tuesday, February 20th. We'll already give you a sneak peek about that. Chris Chelios is supposed to join us. Obviously, Chelios getting his number 7 retired in just a couple of weeks. That's Sunday. February 25th, hosting the Detroit Red Wings. Patrick Kane returning for the first time since being traded. What a movie montage or video montage that's going to be at the United Center. But it's also kind of serendipitous that all these dates I'm bringing up are possibly Connor Bedard return dates. Bedard was on the ice once again today, and that's nothing new. He's been on the ice during practice. He's been on the ice during morning skate. He's been wearing the non-contact green sweater and sometimes participating in drills, the ones that he can, and then other ones where he's just kind of isolated on his own. But he's, again, wearing the non-contact sweater. He's keeping things pretty limited. They don't want to rough him up too much. He's still rehabbing from a broken jaw. And his surgery took place exactly five weeks ago today. The original timeline was six to eight weeks, which means next week, would be six weeks. And we brought it up before that guys have returned after six weeks of rehabbing from broken jaw, including having surgery. Boone Jenner of the Columbus Blue Jackets took six weeks off. He came back. Now, the tricky thing about it is Luke Richardson talked with the media today, and he said he expects Connor Bedard to continue in non-contact activities throughout this week and then become a full participant of practice Next week. But as I mentioned, a week from today, February 19th, Monday against the Carolina Hurricanes is on the road. Luke Richardson pretty much said that's probably not going to happen. But then the Hawks play two days after that. 
February 21st at home against the Philadelphia Flyers. I think in a very optimistic world, he's back that game. And I'm not saying that it's only going to take optimism for that to happen. Because he's been out there, he looks good, he looks eager. You saw him at the All-Star game participating a little bit and talking with the media. And clearly he's itching to get back out there. So I don't think it's too far-fetched to think that he'll be in that game against the Philadelphia Flyers. Now, if that doesn't happen, the Hawks play on that Friday, the 23rd, against the Winnipeg Jets. But I think we're all circling our calendar to hope that he will play on Sunday, February 25th, against the Detroit Red Wings, Chris Chelios night. It could be the passing of the torch from Patrick Kane to Connor Bedard. You know the UC is going to be packed. You know it's going to be rocking. If you haven't heard, if you're going to the game, the ceremony to retire Chris Chelios' number 7 is at 3.15. I think the doors are opening at 2, 2.30, maybe even 1, but I, I can get clarification on that. But either way, the Hawks are encouraging fans to be in their seats by 3 o'clock. Because again, these ceremonies are always fantastic spectacles. And yeah, the United Center and Atrium doors are opening up at 1.00. Actually, the on-ice ceremony is beginning around 3.10. Now, all that being said, if you're not going to the game, Kevin Powell and I are just going to be a few blocks away at the Barn Hockey Bar. Last week, we had Spencer Montgomery, co-founder of the Barn, head coach of St. Ignatius Hockey Team. Me and Kevin Powell are going to be there again Sunday, February 25th, from 2 o'clock to 4.30. So if you're going to the game, swing by before. If you're not going to the game, swing by the whole time. We're going to have a fun time. I I cannot wait to really check out the barn. I've only seen it through pictures online and social media. But after seeing everything that it offers with the simulated golf rooms and all the food options, all the drink options, and just all the hockey history and nostalgia there, I can't wait to see it. And again, 2 to 4.30, me and Kevin Powell will be there. That's the day of the Chris Chelios number 7 number retirement. And again, the Hawks encourage you to be in your seats by 3 o'clock. There's only been two games for the Hawks since we last talked. Because, of course, they just came back from the All-Star break. A loss to Minnesota, an overtime loss to the New York Rangers. Somewhat similar games, but it was great to see the Hawks' response against the Rangers. A really good team with Stanley Cup aspirations. And the Hawks, right out of the gate, had a good start. They had a good finish, and everything in between was very impressive as well. Their start against Minnesota wasn't great. They had one shot on goal, but they were able to find their stride as the game went along. Yet it was just kind of the same thing, the same problems for this team. Missing out on a period that kind of set them back, only scoring one goal, and needing a lot to just get offensive chances. Now, they really turned it around in the Rangers game. They were down 3-1. to one. They tie things up. And actually, why don't we cue the shot, which is brought to you by Curveball Whiskey. To Felino, left wing to the Ranger line. He'll snap it down the glass in behind the net. Rolls up the far side. Kershev's got it. Right corner to Jones, right point. Long wrist shot. He scores! The Hawks have tied it at three! And let's see if 
if this is going to be reviewed for the puck being knocked out of the air with a high stick or not. Jason Dickinson tips this one past Shesterkin for his 16th goal on the season to take the Hawks' lead in goals. 3-3 to score with 102 left in the third, and the United Center erupts. When we cue the shot, it's brought to you by Curveball, the original barbecue whiskey. Join the Bonehead Nation today at CurveballWhiskey.com. That's Curveball with a K. K U R V B A L L Whiskey.com. It's a great twist on barbecue and whiskey. Try it in an old fashioned Bloody Mary. Try to uh, mix it in the next time you barbecue. It's, it's fun to be creative with it. That game tying goal by Jason Dickinson was just a great example of what this team is capable of when they stick to their structure, they stick to their game plan, and they just do the simple right things. They're missing out on the high offensive talent that they do have in Bedard and Taylor Hall, and even Andreas Athanasiu, they're getting guys back. Felino's been back. Tyler Johnson's back now. But they're still missing some very important pieces. So it's back to this team having to play their simple hockey to get some offense going. Now, sometimes when they play their simple hockey, they're still not getting the offense going because of some of the talent that they're missing. But that luckily didn't happen in the game against the Rangers. And it reminded us more of the games that the Hawks played last year when they gave these really good teams a run for their money. And we've talked about it before. No matter how great the Hawks play, yet fall short, even though I'm sure a ton of people disagree with that sentiment, it still wears on a team. Losses wear on a team. It can get very discouraging. It can get very mundane. It can get just all too familiar. And that's where the head coach, Luke Richardson, and the the rest of the coaching staff steps in. I think that's why it's great to have a guy like Nick Foligno that understands this whole situation. But now, hopefully, we'll get to see Connor Bedard back in the mix as well. Again, a week from today will be six weeks. Don't hold your hopes out for Monday against the Carolina Hurricanes. That game is on the road. Hopefully one of those games later on in that week Wednesday against the Flyers, Friday against the Jets, but all in all, hopefully the game against the Red Wings, he's available on Sunday, February 25th. During one of the post-game shows, we had a caller curious about this upcoming NHL draft and who I was looking at as the Hawks are probably going to get another solid top pick, possibly a top three pick, possibly number one overall once again. So if that happens, or if it doesn't happen, we're going to talk about it next because I didn't have enough information the time you brought it up on the post-game show. I wanted to make sure I got to it on this episode of Blackhawks Live. And again, we talk with Kenny Albert, who's out with his new book, A Mike for All Seasons, after the 7.30 news. Blackhawks Live continues, WGN Radio. During the break, I'm scrolling on Twitter. What pops up? A Macklin Celebrini highlight. From Cam Robinson at Hockey underscore Robinson. Macklin Celebrini with goal number 23 in game number 26. He remains 17 years old. I'm Joe Brand. This is Blackhawks Live. Our producer is Jack Heinrich. After the 7.30 news, we have a great conversation with Kenny Albert with the New York Rangers in town. Figured I'd get Kenny Albert, one of the best to do it. And uh, out with a new book, A Mike for All Seasons, where he talks about calling football, baseball, hockey, basketball, all at the highest level. Macklin Celebrini is starting to get the same type of recognition that Connor Bedard got last year. It, it might still be, I mean, Bedard's probably still above it. But 
a lot of people are starting to throw around the term generational talent once again for this upcoming draft with Macklin Celebrini. And wouldn't you know it, but right now, if the season ended today, the Blackhawks would have the best odds of landing the number one overall pick. Now remember, the NHL has a draft lottery that worked in the Hawks' favor last year when they didn't have the best odds. But the hockey gods, for whatever reason, were smiling upon them, and Connor Bedard fell into the Hawks' lap. Now, of course, falling at the bottom of the standings would give the Hawks the best chance, and that would probably be the best situation to get Macklin Celebrini. But if you do finish with the worst record in the NHL, you're guaranteed a top-three pick. Now, other than just a couple of days ago, I really didn't look too much into the draft. I, I just I, I don't know how to go about this because it, it felt even weird last year talking about the first year of the rebuild and every day looking at the tank standings and seeing who was in front of the Hawks or behind the Hawks and looking at the schedule and seeing where everything would fit because that's just out of our control. There's nothing we can do, and it's weird to root for losses, especially when you're doing a job that entails watching each and every game because it's not fun to root for losses. And you, you kind of just root for a, a fun, entertaining, good game, something to talk about. And if they lose, maybe it's okay. But I don't know how much I want to do that anymore. But you can't ignore where the Hawks are right now. They're in year two of a rebuild. So if they don't get Macklin Celebrini, a center from Boston University, who also has some time playing with the Chicago Steel, which that has turned out to be quite a powerhouse. And real quick, scouting report on Macklin Celebrini, heavy cannon shot and explosive skating. So just after a couple of quick Google searches about the 2024 mock NHL draft, basically here's the other three. So the top four likely picks for this upcoming NHL draft. Caden Lindstrom, a center from the Madison Hat, Medicine Hat Tigers of the WHL. Cole Iserman, who's a center, not the same as Stevie Y, it's spelled differently, and Artem Levshnov, which is actually a defenseman from Michigan State that somebody texted in after that post-game show. I believe that was the game against the Wild. And the texter mentioned Artem Levshnov having a great year with the Spartans. He really is. 28 points in 32 games. And calls him a great two-way defender. Levshnov was listed in this blog that I read as the closest defenseman to being NHL-ready in this draft. Now, going back to the other forwards, the two centers, Caden Lindstrom of the Medicine Hat Tigers stands six foot four, maybe more. Almost sounds like a song. Quote, has that rare size and finesse that teams value. And currently, Lindstrom is actually dealing with an injury. He's week to week after surgery from an upper body injury he suffered in December, but just figured I'd throw that out there. And then Cole Iserman, again, a center. Listed as purest goal scorer, one of the purest goal scorers in junior hockey. Now, it's kind of interesting because it seems like these three forwards are very highly praised, obviously, Celebrini being the top one. But then there's a lot of value in this defenseman with Levshnov. Now, the Hawks drafted one defenseman last year, and it was their final draft pick of the draft. But now, two of their first three draft picks two years ago were defensemen. One of them's on the team now in Kevin Korczynski. The other one's Sam Renzel, who's playing with Minnesota, and everyone's got a lot of high hopes for him, too. Kyle Davidson has mentioned in the past, and like many GMs for multiple sports, not just hockey, 
that it's typically right to choose who has the most talent, not who fits in where the organization is right now. But it would be interesting to see if the Hawks would go the defensive route with all those talented forwards there because they're very deep in that department. But I think it's going to come down to whether they have one or three or maybe even lower than that. Not quite sure. Kenny Albert joins us after Steve Ruxton's news from the Northwestern Medicine Newsroom, which is next. Welcome back to Blackhawks Live. We're pleased to welcome in Kenny Albert, voice of the New York Rangers, voice of TNT, and voice of just about everything else. But uh, he's just recently come out with a new book as well. And it's been a couple months now. Kenny, how's the reception of the book been so far? Well, it's been great. It was actually published by Triumph Books right here in Chicago. And uh, it was a lot of fun to, to work on the project. I always felt like I had a lot of stories to tell. And I, I speak to a lot of high school and college broadcasting students, some sportscasting camps every summer. And they always ask great questions, and I wind up giving uh, the same answer over and over. So I figured, why not put pen to paper and tell some of those stories and really... During the pandemic was when I started. I put together an outline and some sample chapters and wound up hooking up with Triumph Books. And the entire process was probably about two and a half years from the time I started until uh, through the editing process until I actually saw the first copies uh, in late August. But uh, just a lot of fun. There's a chapter on my early life growing up in a sportscasting family, um, announcing games into a tape recorder in, in my bedroom and at a young age and then uh, doing some games during the high school years and into college and then a chapter uh, on my two years in Baltimore broadcasting minor league hockey with the Baltimore Skipjacks in the American Hockey League and my roommate on the road was Barry Trotz who's gone on to an unbelievable career. Joel Quenville was on our team for about 40 games so uh, a lot of stories from, from that time period and then a chapter on each of the sports that I've been fortunate enough to work a chapter on broadcast partners, a chapter on travel tales, a chapter on Olympics, uh, a chapter on uh, how we did things during the COVID years, uh, broadcasting-wise, a chapter on paying it forward. So um, hopefully the listeners who have had the opportunity to, to read it or might do so in the future enjoy it. Um, surreal to look on the cover and see the names Wayne Gretzky and Walt Clyde Frazier, uh, two broadcast partners of mine uh, at different times throughout my career who were uh, nice enough to take part in writing the forward. So um, it was a lot of fun. Thanks for asking about it. And, um, you know, a lot of Eddie Olchek mentions, uh, worked a lot of Blackhawk games in the playoffs during their terrific runs. So, um, it, you know, you don't have to be a sports fan or a, a fan of broadcasting to read the book. There's a lot about family and hard work and dedication. And like I said, advice to young broadcasting students. So, um it's, it's been out for about four months, and I really enjoy hearing the re- reactions of whether it's friends, family, strangers that come up to me that have, that have read the book. So uh, very enjoyable. Uh, a lot of work went into it, but a lot of fun as well. This is your first book, right? It is. First time. Okay. First time. So I really learned the process throughout. Uh, decided to do it myself. No ghostwriter. Okay. I had done a lot of writing back in the day in high school and college, and ultimately I felt like it's my story, it's my voice. So... You know, when I first started, I had an outline. I had about 14 different chapter headings, and I started writing separate chapters. And at one point, I I finally realized I have to kind of merge this together so it feels like a book. And there was a lot of redundancy, so I had to go through numerous times to edit and take certain things out, move things around. But uh, uh, it was a lot of fun. And and 
I said to somebody recently, for 33 years, I've basically done one thing, and that's uh, play-by-play of, of various sports. And to you know do something different and now actually uh, be considered an author, that's, that's kind of strange. You kind of got into it, but is, is there anything that surprised you this was a lot easier than I thought before writing a book, or I, I didn't expect this to be as challenging as it was? Well, at the start, they told me, Okay, we need 70,000 words by September 1st, 2022. And this is probably a year and a half before the deadline. And I I would do it in spurts, in hotel rooms, on planes, at home, uh, more downtown in in the summer than the other uh, times of the year. So we'd get a lot done uh, during those two summers, 2021 and 22. But I remember at one point staring at the computer screen, and they have the little count up top in the upper right, and it was at 30,000. And I'm thinking to myself, how am I ever going to get to 70,000? But somehow I did. I think at one point it was up to 80,000, and I edited some stuff out. So um, I think doing the outline helped. I took a big manila folder and wrote down about 200 keywords. Uh, It might have been the name of a player or a broadcast partner or a specific game or... uh, uh, a, a flight, a travel story, for example, and as I was writing on these various chapters, uh, would cross out, you know, each each word on that folder until ultimately nothing was left. So there are probably some things that I forgot to include. I've made a list of a couple of them since then. Um, after the deadline, I worked a four overtime game in the playoffs last year between Carolina and Florida. That would have been fun to include, but it was it was a little bit too late. But uh, uh, it was a lot of fun, and I just remember that moment, though, when I saw 30,000, thinking to myself, I'm not even halfway there yet. <laughs> I, full disclosure, I haven't read the book, but I've heard a lot of your podcasts about the book, and I know you won't answer the question what your favorite sport is to call, because there's really no way to do that. But what what do you like about the uniqueness about, you don't have to go sport by sport, but what is it about like broadcasting football that you don't get in hockey or, or baseball for, versus basketball well i will say this hockey was my favorite growing up love the other sports as well but hockey was definitely a little bit ahead um and there's nothing like the stanley cup playoffs i mean absolutely love calling hockey i've done it for 33 years now football it's like comparing apples and oranges football every game is so huge it's one game a week the preparation that goes into a football broadcast is probably 20 times as far as the time spent what it is for a hockey or basketball game because the teams are playing so much more frequently and you're watching all the games and, and reading about the, the teams and the players and the, and the games. Um, so I always say it's like asking which kid you like best and I'm fortunate to be involved in four different sports but um, the hockey was what I always wanted to do. Uh, my first job was minor league hockey like I mentioned. Went out to the Washington Capitals for three years. Rangers now since 95 and NBC for over a decade and now TNT. So uh, I cover that in the book, the, the differences between calling different sports. There are a lot of similarities, but there are also a lot of differences. Um, radio versus TV. Obviously, uh, on radio, you have to be a lot more descriptive, give the score and time a lot more. But, uh, you know, I felt that was a big part of the book, the Paying It Forward chapter, was talking about the different sports, the preparation that goes into it. I have a checklist that I go through before each and every broadcast, no matter what the sport is. And the checklist is the same. It's watching prior games. It's doing a lot of reading, preparing charts, going through statistics, uh, going to practices, talking to players and coaches. So, you know, that that's similar, but it's just the time element in football compared to the other sports is a lot greater. 
throughout your career and when you were you know really honing your craft any certain advice that really stuck with you that that maybe paved the way for you a little bit more than anything else well the the biggest thing i learned early on from uh being around my father and, and other broadcasters uh was just how important the preparation is and it was a lot different back then there was no internet you know it was all daily newspapers weekly publications um press releases you might be sent in the mail by a team and get it three days later now with the click of a button you could go crazy reading for 24 hours a day there's so much more information out there but i do remember and i've always been an over preparer but a producer early on when i was in washington my first or second year with the capitals and we all do this as young broadcasters i probably was forcing too much information in just to prove that you did the work and he pulled me aside and said you already got the job you were hired you know we know that you'll be prepared so you don't have to force in every little nugget that you have um if it's pertinent certainly uh go ahead but i was probably trying to get too much in early on just to prove that i did the work and knew what i was talking about calling for major sports writing a book uh top of the broadcasting field anything else you want to do you know i never feel like i'm going to work so that's uh, that's a great feeling um there's so much work and travel that goes into it but for three decades now going to sporting events talking about them um spending time with with my color analysts and broadcast crews and around the players and coaches to an extent um it's just so much fun there's, there's nothing i'd rather be doing and you know to have the opportunity to do the variety uh working the rangers on the radio and i still love radio it brings you back to the fundamentals um you just feel like you're so into the game calling a, a sporting event on radio and working with dave maloney for 19 years former captain of the rangers who does such a terrific job and then on the tnt broadcast with eddie olchek and brian boucher best in the business we had keith jones with us the last two years who's now the president of the flyers and then you know the 18 weeks with the football crew and i get to work with walt clyde frazier on about 15 Knicks games a year and uh do about eight to ten baseball games as well with fox so um it's just a lot of fun never gets old and like i said despite all the work and travel it never really feels like work all right lastly we're here at the united center you've called many important blackhawks games one particular moment stand out definitely one of my favorite buildings just love you know when i think about a lot of the playoff games that i called here between 2010 and and uh and 2015 you know during the period when they won the three cups um you know it didn't have a great ending for the blackhawks but the la series in 2014 you know uh, when i think back to playoff series that i had the opportunity to call that's that's probably right up there just the ebbs and flows of it and i was going back and forth that two-week period because the rangers were in the east final so i was on the radio side in the east and the tv side in the west so not a lot of sleep pretty much ran out of adrenaline during during that two-week stretch but um you know just watching those blackhawks teams with with kane and Taves and and keith and seabrook and hosa and crawford right on down the line and um just the energy in the building the national anthem with jim cornelison um the the, the packed united center there's probably not one game that stands out i would have to like I said, the, the series with the Kings, yeah. um, it was on the road, but our, I, I worked the, the triple overtime game in Anaheim. Marcus Kruger yeah. scored the goal in the third overtime. So 
That might have been my longest game until that fourth overtime in, in Raleigh during the playoffs last year. I've worked a couple of triple overtime games. The, the funny story about that one, which I wrote about, it was an earlier start in Anaheim. It was either five or six local so that the game could be on at, I guess, 8 o'clock in the central time zone. So I still made the red-eye flight, despite three overtimes. Made it to the morning skate in Tampa the next day, believe it or not, from a triple overtime game in Southern California. Kenny, great stuff. Thanks for doing this. And, uh, yeah, best of luck the rest of the seasons. seasons. Thanks, Joe. Really appreciate it. We'll have more Blackhawks Live, 720 WGN. Last stop of Blackhawks Live here on 720 WGN. Another big thanks to Kenny Albert for taking some time before game against... The Hawks and Rangers on Friday to sit and talk. Great guy and just uh, really cool to hear him come out of reminisce of that 2013-2014 playoff run between uh, the Hawks and the LA Kings that he got a, a front row seat to. Uh, a couple things I want to get to before we get over to Jack Heinrich, our producer. I wanted to bring this up earlier. We did mention it in the pregame show in the last game. Uh, please keep your thoughts in mind for George Lemparis. He's the owner of the Palace Grill. It's on the 1400 block of Madison. It suffered a grease fire over the weekend. And if you've never been in there, odds are you've seen it on your way to the United Center. It's got the Blackhawks murals on the wall. Just jam-packed with cool uh, nostalgia and and Hawks memorabilia, and he's done nothing but give back to the community, give back to first responders. Uh, He's very active with the Blackhawks organization. We heard from John Wideman and Troy Murray both say how much uh, they appreciate George and the Palace Grill, and again, just, just a... Terrible rough circumstance with the grease fire last weekend, and all he's worried about is his workers and making sure that they're able to still go about their lives. He's not thinking about himself, but uh, we're all thinking of him right now. Uh, Also, not sure how we didn't bring this up, but it kind of feels like old news already. Uh, The Blackhawks are getting the Winter Classic again, if you live under a rock and didn't know. Uh, It's coming back to Wrigley Field, Hawks and Blues, 2025. The, The date has yet to be determined the second Winter Classic at Wrigley Field. It's the fourth time that the Hawks are... I I take that back. It's the third time the Hawks are hosting the Winter Classic. And always a cool event. Very cool that it's coming to Chicago. And uh, it it sounds like because of all the success that Fenway had in their second Winter Classic that the Bruins hosted is what kind of helped move this along and, and... allowed the NHL to feel comfortable to bring it back to Wrigley Field and back to Chicago. It's it, it hits a soft spot in my heart because I love both sports so much and obviously love Chicago, so could not be more thrilled about the Winter Classic back at Wrigley Field. From hockey to baseball, I do want to talk a little bit about the Super Bowl, Jack, because it's it's just become such a big American event. I almost wonder what other countries think of us. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, you get a little everything. You kind of uh, had a nice low-key Super Bowl experience? I did. I was here for a little bit and then went home and I was up on the the bets, so that's always a plus. So, Did you like the halftime show? I listened to it in the car, so it sounded (laughs) sounded good. (laughs) Wow, I I wonder how that uh, was taken in. I I liked last year's a little bit better. I'm more more of a Rihanna fan than I'm sure. um, I heard it was good. I thought it ended really strong with Ludacris coming Mm -hmm. on. Uh, As for the game, obviously that was a banger. Oh, yeah. Um, I know we often talk about rule changes and things like that. I think this Super Bowl showed how necessary it is to have that rule change in overtime. But I don't know. I'm kind of a fan of there being just an overtime quarter. 
and then that's it. It doesn't matter, you know, who scores a touchdown first or what the other team does because we kind of got that. And say what you want about Tony Romo. I've got a million thoughts on it. But <laughs> I thought he, he did a good job of bringing up towards the end because time was winding down. I was actually wondering, like, should they be calling a timeout or what with that? But it, it kind of goes hand in hand because you feel like the Chiefs took their time moving down the field mm. because they knew they had enough time. And then also, I think, you know... It, do the Chiefs go for the the touchdown if time is winding down, or do they? Oh yeah, you know I, I feel like it's it's a whole other factor. I kind of want to would just see the overtime just be its own period, its own <laughs> quarter. I, I don't mean to get too much into hockey <laughs> terminology, but yeah, that's my thought on that. Yeah, it's a. I mean, I, I guess it's just like a new game. I guess that's what they said in the coin flip. So I guess they would have kept going if time ran out. And I feel like the NFL would want that. It's more money for more commercials and more time and yeah. more energy spent on that but i don't know I, I always kind of think about that with the super bowl like it is such a mainstream event there like you said a little bit for everyone yeah i mean you had the concerts i mean all the celebrities i mean taylor swift obviously is a big focal point and yeah i mean it's it's a little bit of everything for america right there my other motive Let's just move President's Day to the Monday after the Super Bowl. That's a good idea. You know, everyone talks about it becoming a holiday, but, I mean, does does President's Day need to be on that Monday? Let's just move it up a week or two. No, that's a good idea. We should get that moving somehow. I don't know how, but we should get that moving. Are you going to start the process? Yes. That's what I'll do, the producer. I'll get get it going, and then then you'll you'll be the face of it. it. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Hopefully that doesn't have a, a deeper meaning, but thank you very much, Jack. That is Jack Heinrich. Big thanks to him. Big thanks to Kenny Albert. And uh, thanks to the Blackhawks as well. Next broadcast tomorrow night, the Hawks hosting the Vancouver Canucks. They're at the top of the NHL standings. 7.30 puck drop, 7 o'clock pregame show right here on 720 WGN. John Landecker's next. After this break, though, it'll be Steve Ruxton with your news from the Northwestern Medicine Newsroom. Thanks for listening. Have a great rest of your Monday, everybody.